We have a program called LEAD, and it is uh, for the church body to get plugged in. So if you're in this place where you're like, I want to get involved, I don't know how to get involved, LEAD is the place to go. We walk through some material, we do this once a month, uh, you watch some videos or read some stuff, we come back together, we discuss it in groups, uh, we eat together, it's once a month, right after church on Sunday, and so if you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love to have you do, the, do that. You can go to outwardchurch.com forward slash lead, I believe. Uh, if you want more information on really anything, you can go to outward.info, as my wife said earlier. Um, in any case, we'd love to have you be a part of that. If, that's, if you're like, man, I, I just wanna be known here, I don't know how to get plugged in, that's a way for us to just get to know you, hear you talk, hear you pray, uh, you know, and things like that, and so it, it'd be a great opportunity. So uh, let's get into uh, what we're gonna talk about today, which uh, I, had, I had kind of a plan going into the weekend, and the weekend happened with all of the racial stuff happening down in Charlottesville, and so I wanted to talk about that. I, I'm gonna try to tie it in with everything that we have uh, to, to work on this morning. We'll see if we get through it. As you know, I, I start sermons that I think are gonna take one week, and it takes four weeks, and, and so that's kind of the way that it goes, but... Um, so Charlottesville, Virginia, um, this uh, over the past few days has been a an incredible uh, place of hatred, and uh, part of the reason for that is that uh, what what news reports are saying is that the alt right, which is uh, apparently um, connected to the conservative movement, movement or Republican politics, or they at least claim that a lot of Republicans are rejecting that as well, but. Um, maybe not enough are. And so what we want to say is that we want to say as a church that that has no part, the alt-right, the Ku Klux Klan, white supremacy, any of those things. Like we want to be people who are advocating um, against uh, those types of movements. I mean, this stuff is, this is, is, is incredibly horrific and it's happening in our world right now. And part of the problem is, is that we as white Americans, most of us are white in, in Salem. I don't know if you know this or not, because uh, Oregon has a racist past. Um, it was written into the Constitution, I believe, that, um, that African Americans could not possess um, you know, property and things of that nature. It's been a while since I read the article. But it, it, it's an incredibly racist past, and it went on for a long time. And, and not that long ago, those laws were, or, and that, that wording was changed and things of that nature. But that really kept... Uh, many people of color out of our state. And as a result, what you don't have is you don't have deep roots of African-American people in our, uh, in our city or in our state or in this area of the country. And part of that is because of a racist history. And so when we say it doesn't really affect us because I'm not really racist against those people or what have you, it's because you're not really confronted with uh, people of color very often in, in Salem, and because I believe that the population, um, the black population in Salem is, is, I think, 2%, something along those lines, which is, which is incredibly low. And so what we want to say as a church is we, we want to speak to this and say, like, what is our responsibility when it comes to, uh, you know, what's going on in our world and how should we speak up about this? And let me tell you why you should, and that is because that... Uh, uh, evangelical Christians have for far too long conflated Republican politics with uh, evangelicalism. 
And the problem with that, as we've been speaking about for the past couple of months, is that the kingdom of God should be foremost in our lives and not kingdoms here of this earth. It doesn't mean that we uh, don't have a political opinion. I have plenty of political opinions, but the truth is, is that my political opinions, I try and I work towards to make those secondary to uh, God's opinion, to God's kingdom. And so my political opinions are subservient to uh, what the kingdom of God says, what God's rule and reign uh, would look like in our world, and what it does look like when it is truly seen, when justice is truly carried out uh, along those lines. And so we as white evangelical American Christians, my apologies to you if you're a person of color in here and I'm calling you white, I, we recognize you, thank you for being here. Um, but uh, our responsibility as people who are, who are white is to say, like, we disagree with this. This is absolutely wrong. Just because it's not in our backyard, just because we weren't the ones being hit by a car yesterday, just because uh, we're not in those fistfights, just because I don't support the Ku Klux Klan, we have a responsibility to come out and boldly say, at no point do I ever support this. This is completely off the rails. And so I wanna encourage our church to disassociate yourself um, as, as your, your foremost opinions, disassociate uh, yourself from a political party and to align yourself with the kingdom of God. This is the reason why we've been talking about this. Salem can be an apathetic city. We can be a sleepy town in some ways, people that aren't really affected by a lot because it, not, a, not a whole lot happens here all the time. We need to pick up this cause, and we need to say, we advocate for this. And I don't know what that looks like. It's conversations at work, in your home, at school, wherever it is. But you need to be somebody who's advocating for people of color the way that you would advocate for people who, who are white, uh, you need to take up their cause as a result. Um, uh, Albert Moeller had a great statement uh, just, I think it was yesterday, and I wanted to read that for you. He says this, racial superiority in any form and white superiority as the central issue of our concern is a heresy. It's absolutely false. The separation of human beings into ranks of superiority and inferiority differentiated by skin color is a direct assault upon the doctrine of creation and an insult to the imago Dei, the image of God, in which every human being is made. Racial superiority is also directly subversive of the gospel of Christ effectively reducing the power of his substitutionary atonement, what Jesus did on the cross. He substituted himself on the cross in our place for our sins and undermining the faithful preaching of the gospel to all persons and to all nations. So we've been talking about Matthew uh, chapter five um, over the the past few weeks. We're not gonna be in there uh, today, but I wanted to reference something. That when you're following Jesus and you're living according to his kingdom, persecution will come. Let me tell you how it's going to come in this, in this arena. When you break ranks with people who take ev- the whole ball of wax of, of, of everything and you say, okay, Republican politics, I'm all about that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be all about those things. I'm going to pick up every cause that they pick up. You... Uh, you're, you're just going along with the crowd. You are not associating yourself with the kingdom of God. But when you begin to critique your own political leanings, you begin to apologize, you begin to confess and repent because Christianity 
is about repentance. You can't be a Christian without having, uh, been, having repented initially and ongoingly, if that's a word, uh, as, as somebody who's repenting all the time and saying, like, I am going to repent of my sin, of my white superiority in whatever way, even the ways that I don't see or the ways that I don't acknowledge. Too many times we say, you know, what else do they want? Like we're saying, you pe- what else do you people want? Uh, like, what, what, you've, you've had a black president, we've had this, we've had that. Well, you know what? I don't think we understand where people of color are coming from. I don't think we see it. I don't think we un- understand what's happening there. We have a responsibility to associate ourselves with what's going on in their lives and to feel their pain and to not be apathetic towards that, but to be empathetic towards that. And to say, man, regardless of whether this is right or wrong, like we feel what's going on with you. We, we don't agree that people should be killed openly in the streets uh, for, for protesting one way or the other. We don't believe that that is right and that that is good and that that is what God wants. We can morally stand against that. And so I know that on some level I'm, I'm probably... Um, Offending some folks in here, but I, man, I just want to tell you, I think that's a really good thing. I'm glad that you're offended, and just take it this way, that I, I want to see you seek after God and, and to say to him, God, what part of my political leanings and, and my, the, the mores of my evangelical society need to be changed and need to be challenged? And so that's, that's what I would have to say about that. The Imago Day is incredibly important when it comes to what we believe about what's happening in our world. If you don't have a theology of that, you should have a theology of that. If you've, if you've been here long enough, you know that I've referenced this many, many times. But it says this in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And so what Albert Moeller was referencing there is that this is a direct assault, not just on the gospel, but on God's original intent for creation. So we can boldly say, like, this has absolutely nothing to do with this. And to associate ourselves with people that would somehow soft pedal the role that the alt-right has in our society, um, people, I, I don't want to mention names, but there are people online who claim to be Republicans and conservatives and, and things of that nature who are also very um, sympathetic towards this alt-right movement. Like, we need to be very careful and say, like, just because this person claims to be conservative, and I don't know if you're conservative or liberal, I am speaking predominantly to conservatives right now, but just because this person claims to be of my political affiliation does not mean that I should be advocating or reposting or talking about what they say because what they're doing is against the image of God. It's against who God is and what he stands for. And ultimately, his kingdom will reign. His kingdom will be absolutely and finally in control in its fulfillment. Between now and then, we are to be people of his kingdom. And so we're supporting that cause of the image of God. That means that people that even vehemently disagree with us and hate us, we're advocating for their humanity. We're advocating for people who are silent, who can't speak. That's people who have uh, mental disabilities. That, that's that's uh, unborn children in the womb. We're advocating for people who are created in the image of God, whether they agree with us, whether they can speak for themselves, whether they're the same color as us, because God has determined that all of us are the same, that we've been created male and female, and we are to be people who are 
about his, his image. Every person has dignity and value as a result of being created in the image of God. Secondly, I want to uh, say this from Galatians chapter 3, verse 25. It says, um, for, but now that faith has come, um, I'm sorry, Galatians 3, 25 through 28, if I wasn't clear on that. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. It's talking about the, the law and, and grace. Verse 26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as, many of you, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is, neither, uh, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What this is clearly stating is this, is that there should not be separation between us. If you did not have this theology before, and I can't imagine you not having this already, like this, this is... This is Bottom shelf stuff. You're like, we should know this. We should understand this. When you become a Christian, you should become a tireless advocate of the rights of human beings. You should become a tireless advocate of people who don't look like you. You should become somebody if you're not already. And I want to tell you that Christianity, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus going to the cross, dying on the cross, is the only way forward People can try their hardest to make the world better. Our world is not getting better. I saw news reports just last night. This doesn't seem to be getting better, does it? No, it doesn't. It's getting worse. It's worse than the 90s. It's worse than here. It's worse than there. I mean, think about all of the racial things that are happening in our world today. It's not getting better. It seems to be getting worse. Christianity has the secret to this, and that is that we crucify ourselves for the people that hate us. We crucify ourselves. We allow ourselves to be persecuted in order to advocate for others. What did Jesus do for you on the cross? He goes to the cross. He takes on sins that were not his. He goes to the cross and he dies a brutal death for you and for me as a result. And so our responsibility is, in a sense, to be willing to be persecuted, to, uh, to be people who are proclaiming the justice of God in our world. And to say over and over again that this is how God views these people and therefore we view these people in this way. And so this is our responsibility that we look at people and our church as a result should be a, a church that really does reflect our society and maybe, even, uh, maybe is even more diverse. We're pursuing people of color. We're pursuing people of, of uh, ethnic diversity. We're pursuing people that, that don't necessarily even think about us. And we're saying, we believe that the greatest thing that's ever going to happen in your world, in spite of the fact that you disagree with us, in spite of the fact that you think that we hate you, we love you. And we, we, we love you. We want to come around you. We want to we figure out how to make this gathering, our homes, our, our, our relationships, palatable for you. We want to change for you. What did Jesus do for us? As the Son of God, He is in heaven. He is God in the flesh. And He has every comfort that, you, that we could ever imagine. He's in royalty. He's a king. And He's in heaven. And yet, what does He decide to do? He decides to come as a missionary, in a sense, to take on incredible discomfort, to take on all of the, 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 the pain, the rejection, being spit upon, being, uh, being uh, whipped, everything that he went through in order that you and I could know him. 
So what's our responsibility in this? It's to give up our comforts. Yes, it means even this, that we give up our political comforts. Sometimes it means even this, that we give up our safety. We give up our safety. Why would I say that? Because the perceived lack of safety that comes with allowing immigrants to come into our country. I mean, people like Hugh look really dangerous, right? I mean, he's, he's incredibly... Uh, 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 Weird looking, but um, and <laughs> menacing. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> um, in any case, um, no, I mean, because people that, that, that we let into the country, and I, I'm not trying to proclaim a political position here. What I'm saying is, is this, is that on some level, we are going to be people who are inconvenienced for the gospel. Because somebody comes in and, and they, they might try to do us harm, but we might also get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with that person. It's the greatest form of evangelism that you could possibly imagine. To have somebody who lays down their jihadi ways, desiring to blow up Christians and kill people, and to say that Jesus is the one true way, and that I'm going to take on the life of Jesus Christ, I'm going to lay down my bombs, my knives, my guns, and I am going to take this up. I'm going to take up the life of Christ. Is there anything better than that? Is there? That, that is a beautiful story. And it's happened before. The Apostle Paul, he's essentially ISIS in the, in the flesh, going around killing Christians. And yet God supernaturally comes to him and saves him. And his life has changed forever. He ends up writing much of the New Testament. Like, this is incredible stuff, guys. We have to believe that this could take place. We have to believe that this is possible for us right here and right now. And lastly is this, uh, Revelation chapter 5, and I always love reading the whole thing, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the whole thing to you, uh, but I'll get to the other part because I want you to feel the sense of, of emotion that's happening here. It says in Revelation 5, then I saw in the right hand of him, by the way, this is a vision of what John is seeing. Jesus is showing him what's happening at the end of days when God's kingdom is coming into its uh, complete fulfillment. And so he says, Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on, seated on the throne a scroll, written within, uh, ri- a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, this is Jesus, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Again, Jesus, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into 
all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, I love this. They're going to sing new songs in, in heaven. It's not like Caleb plays the same song over and over again. It's going to be new songs in heaven. Goodness gracious, add something to that playlist. Uh, new songs in heaven. That's why I want to go to heaven. I don't want to listen to everything that's going on here. They sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll. How does this tune go? I mean, it's probably got an incredible hook. I mean, like, it's incredible, like, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Let me read it again. From every tribe and language and people and nation. What did Jesus do? He ransomed People for God from all of these places, from all of these people groups. Guys, this is the end game. This is it. And you have made them a kingdom of priests, a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. The the Christian message. Sounds crazy. Oh, they're going to take over the earth. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God is not. The kingdom of God is, it is not our responsibility to take over the earth. That's what Jesus is going to do. When Jesus returns, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He will rule and he will reign. That's Jesus' responsibility. Our responsibility is to be revealers of the kingdom of God to show justice, to show the justice of God, to show the mercy of God, to show the love of God, to be a display of this is what it looks like to, to live under the rule and reign of God. I, my political leanings are not, um, are not what determines what I do. They're not. It's the kingdom of God. It's his justice. It's his love. It's his mercy. Let me tell you what Christians have not done. That. We have been expressing, oftentimes, not all the time, a Republican, evangelical viewpoint and not God's viewpoint. And that stinks. And everybody can smell it a mile away. And it's garbage. Because in the end of days, the the Son of God is coming. He's returning. He's going to usher in his kingdom. And there is going to be this incredible group of people that are singing this incredible song of worship. It is going to be fantastic. It's going to blow everything out of the water that you've ever heard before. And, and it is going to be so amazing because Jesus is going to be praised and worshiped because of his salvation for people from every tribe and language and people and nation. If, if that is not secure in your mind, you, are, you and I, I'm, I'm, I'm including myself in this, okay? You and I are going to continue 
um, with this polarization, you and I are going to continue. We're going to continue to advocate for this foolishness that happens on Facebook, the idiocy, the, the, the insanity of it. I've perpetuated it. I've said dumb things. I, I've said dumb things from up here before. I'm hoping you didn't hear them, right? Uh, we, ha- we are perpetuating this. We're, we're continuing it. We're, this is God's kingdom that we're after. This is what God is doing in our world. We get to be joyful about this. And we get to say, I mean, let's, let's rejoice and be glad that we have been persecuted, that we have been seen as people who are able to be persecuted because we've advocated for what God advocates for. Like, that's an amazing blessing. Like, you talk about persecution, that's the kind of persecution that we need. That's what we need. That's what we want. That's what we desire. And they shall reign on the earth. God's going to usher in his kingdom, and those who are his will reign on the earth. We don't know what that looks like in its entirety, but what it means is this, is that people who persevere, people who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, they believe that and they walk in that in their lifetime, are people who are going to reign on earth forever with God, with Jesus as our king. This is an incredible promise. And whether you agree with that or whether you don't agree with that, I can tell you this, that I believe that this is the only way forward. I believe that this is the only way forward for our world, and I believe that when these things take place, that we will see real transformation in our world, in our cities, in our homes, and things of that nature. He says in verse 11, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Part of the reason why we don't have a good theology for these things, why sometimes we stay silent on social media, I didn't do it. I didn't call up the KKK and say, hey, would you come and be a bunch of morons down here? I, I, I didn't do that. I didn't drive my car into those people. Part of the reason why it's, it's not affecting you is because you don't have a picture of the future, which is this is what God is. This is what he's doing. It's, and it's gonna be amazing. And that worship song, I'm telling you, is, it, it is gonna blow our minds. It's gonna be the greatest form of worship that you have ever desired, that you've ever wanted. You and I walk around and we... We are looking for things to worship. We, we're looking for ways to worship things. You are created as a, a being who is worshiping. And you can worship your race, which was created in the image of God and a part of humanity, which isn't God. And so you can use that as an idol. You can worship your race. And you can worship your money 
and you can worship sex, and you can worship all kinds of things in your life. You can worship relationship, and you can worship the desire for marriage, and you can worship your kids, and you can worship creation, and you can worship all kinds of things, but they all are second best to the one who created them. Every single one of those things. And let me just tell you that the chaos in our world comes from people who are, who are idolizing all of the things that God created. They're idolizing their community. They're idolizing their race. They're idolizing whatever it is. You're created as one who is called to worship. Whether you admit that or not, we are people who are always worshiping. We're always wanting to to exclaim that this is the greatest thing. But the end game at the the last moments, when when everything is seen and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess and they're going to see, yep, that's Jesus. Uh, I should have known this, but he is God. And by the way, he's the greatest thing that needs to be worshipped, but I didn't worship him when I should have. And everybody who who did is going to say, yes, worthy are you. Do you have a picture of worshiping this God, this king? Is Jesus your king? Or is money, sex, and power your king? Is Jesus your king? Or is politics your king? Is Jesus your king? Or is your race your king? Is Jesus your king? Or is creation your king? Because all of those have been created by God. And when we worship and serve the created thing over the creator, bad things happen. In every area of life, when you worship the created thing over the creator, bad things happen. That's what the racists are doing in Charlottesville. That's what you and I do on a regular basis. And our repentance must come on a regular basis. To go to Jesus and say, I'm there again. Lord, help me to keep you as my focus, as my king. Guys, this is, this is where Christian, Christian growth comes from. This is how our, our lives are changed, is when the things that we hold dearest, which are really just idols, are challenged. I hope that you're challenged today. And if you're sitting here, you're saying, yeah, I'm fine. I don't, I don't really have any racist leanings. You probably do. You just don't know about it. I think I do, and I don't know about it. So you probably do too. Jesus went to the cross for that racism. We need to repent and turn from it. I don't know what it looks like in my life. I don't know, I don't know what, what part of my life looks like you know, I have issues with people of color or people of other races or religions. I don't know what that, I don't know where those things are, but I need to repent of them daily because Jesus is king and I am not. And you need to repent of those daily because Jesus is king and you are not. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
I'm praying for each and every one of us in here. That, Lord, we would become tireless advocates of, of, of people who don't look like us. That we'd begin to ask, ask people uh, what, they, what they think. Say, what's your experience been like? And Lord, we'd be interested in, in other people groups. Say, how do you think I can, I can support you better? And Lord, I pray that we would support them in every way that, that, um, that is moral, in every way uh, that aligns with who you are. Lord, and even people that we disagree with, Lord, I pray that we'd love them in spite of our disagreements. Lord, we want to pray for the victims in Charlottesville uh, tonight, um, today. We want to pray for the family of, of the 32-year-old woman who was killed. Lord, their grieving is, 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 has got to be tremendous. Lord, I want to pray for the family of the 20-year-old man who rammed those people. I imagine that they're, that I'm hoping that they're disappointed in their, in their son. Lord, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the pictures and the videos of the, of the fist fights that are going on, that have been going on over a racist statue. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about those people and Lord, I'm praying for conviction in their lives. Lord, this racism is deeply ingrained. This hatred for each other is deeply ingrained. Lord, by the power of your spirit, the only way that that changes is if we see how you sacrificed yourself for us so that we could sacrifice our rights, our desires, our wants for others. So we ask you for that. We pray that you would move on our hearts we pray that you would make us a welcoming community uh, to all types of people. If we're not already, God, show us our, our tendencies towards racism. Show us how to, be, how to be people that are about your kingdom. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.